and welcome to 100 Mistakes Academic Writers Make and How to Fix Them, a podcast for academics and other writers who need to get work done. I'm Stephanie Dunson, PhD, a writing coach and consultant with over 20 years of experience working with faculty at some of the nation's top colleges and universities. My aim in making this podcast is to help you name your challenges and make adjustments that will allow you to develop a sustainable and meaningful writing routine. In each episode, I'll focus on one of what I've observed to be the 100 most common writing challenges faculty members face. Then I'll offer proven fixes that you can adapt to your particular writing routine. Although some of the challenges are unique to academics, most will be familiar to writers of all stripes. Alrighty then, let's get started. Mistake number four, fearing reviewers' comments. So you've slaved away on an article or manuscript, polished it up, and sent it out to a journal editor or publisher. The good news is they're interested in your project. The bad news is that that means they're now going to send it out to a few anonymous scholars in your field for review. You await the responses hopeful, but also mulling over every possible critique you expect they might have. Finally, the email arrives with the reviewer's comments attached. Your palms go sweaty, your heart sinks to your stomach, and you move the cursor toward the attachment. If you're someone who looks at this moment with curiosity and enthusiasm, you can shut this off and turn your attention to unpacking the insight the reviewers offer. But if being in this situation makes you feel like a prisoner facing the gallows, if in the past getting reviews has left you feeling disheartened and defeated, In short, if you dread reading reviewers' comments, stay tuned. For those reading, writing, or awaiting submission reviews, pity the poor writer on the receiving end of this reviewer's comments. Your manuscript is both good and original. Unfortunately, the part that is good is not original, and the part that is original is not good commonly misattributed to 18th century writer and critic Samuel Johnson, the line was more likely penned by a certain Reverend Martin Sherlock in his comments on a manuscript draft submitted by Philip Donner Stanhope, the fourth Earl of Chesterfield, British statesman, man of letters, and supposed wit. Now, in all fairness, it's pretty uncommon to have a reviewer offer only damning comments on your work. Most will at least sprinkle in some encouraging observations, but it's not the constructive comments that stick with us. It's all the seemingly negative stuff, the criticisms, the corrections, the pushback, the doubts, the exceptions. These can calcify into associations and expectations that cause us to dread reviewers' comments even before we receive them and doubt ourselves after we've read them. So it might surprise you to hear that with a shift in perspective, it's possible to welcome and even embrace the review process. If you've had a bad experience with reviewers in the past, you're probably wondering, how is that possible? In other words, if you recoil at the thought of getting reviewers' comments, what's the fix? Let's start with an acknowledgement that when you first read reviewers' notes, every comment might feel like a criticism, a challenge, or an indication that your work has failed even the ones that you ultimately find helpful. 
That's because you've likely submitted your project, all polished and tied in a neat bow, only to have it returned, popped open, rifled through, and picked apart by some nameless reviewer. Yes, when you send it in, you want to present it in what seems to you a version resembling what you imagine its finished form will be. But you mustn't confuse that with the finished project. And no journal editor or publisher worth his or her salt expects it to be completed. It's only a submission draft that still needs to be reworked and refined to reach its best final version. And in order to get there, you need help. But the help isn't because you don't know your stuff or that your work lacks value. Rather, it's because you're a fish trying to see water. What I mean by that is the fish knows the water so well that it no longer perceives it. Similarly, you, you brilliant little fish you, know your topic, know your project, understand your argument so well that it's generally hard for you to see what's going on or not going on on the page for a reader who's new to your argument. The reactions you receive may challenge you to clarify or justify details that you've taken for granted. They may also push you beyond your comfort zone. But it's important to face that resistance if it forces you to ultimately generate a more effective piece of scholarship. So the first feature of this fix is to recognize that in this endeavor, the reviewer is your ally. The reviewer is a peer, I repeat peer, not punisher, familiar with the context of your work, who comes to your project with a fresh pair of eyes. Counter to how it might seem, his or her objective is not to challenge your authority, but rather to notice the assumptions, gaps, points of confusion, and inaccuracies that you're likely capable of addressing, but that you don't see because of your familiarity with the project. And by offering you that fresh perspective, the reviewer is protecting, yes, I said protecting you, from putting something before a larger audience that is vulnerable to real criticism. In short, reviewers' comments give you the impetus to make your project better by giving you the chance to address legitimate issues before they're made public. The fresh perspectives of reviewers point out where you need to clarify details that are obvious to you but that readers might find confusing. They might alert you to additional material that may well be worth considering in moving your project to completion. They may raise questions that warrant your attention, pose counter-arguments that serve you well to address, or highlight qualifications that are worth articulating. Another element of the fix is to remember that reviewers are knowledgeable, but that doesn't mean that their observations are unimpeachable. They may have relevant expertise that's related to your work, but you're the expert when it comes to the particular argument you're making. So you may receive comments that you justifiably feel miss the point of what you're arguing, that overreach the mark, or try to steer the project away from your intended objective. Or you could find yourself in a situation like one of our listeners who wrote, how do you deal with reviewer number two, who adds new things to revise after multiple revisions, despite reviewer number one being satisfied? Take comfort in knowing that you're neither obligated nor expected to make all the changes that are suggested. In fact, it's worth noting that the negotiations for revision are not between you and the reviewers, but rather between you 
and the editor. As long as you can explain your choices, you generally get to decide which comments to address and which comments to set aside. You may also receive reviewers' comments that warrant your attention, but demand a measure of discussion that would detract too much from your main project. But you might be able to set the point aside by simply acknowledging and qualifying the assertion under question without being drawn too far from your focus. Let's say that in service to readers with celiac disease, a reviewer takes issue with your brazen assertion that, quote, people like pie, end quote. Without bringing a whole debate on dessert preferences into your project, you might be able to set aside the concern with a simple rewording. Quote, although those with gluten intolerance might justifiably have an aversion to crust, the broader population commonly enjoy pie, end quote. Done and done. But not all fixes are as easy as pie. I'm sorry, I just couldn't resist. In situations where the objection requires more attention, there's another relatively easy option. At the opportune point, you can step away from the body of your work to offer clarifying meta-commentary in a footnote where you can address the reviewer's concerns directly without derailing the focus and flow of your main discussion or refer to other scholarship that effectively addresses the issue. This might also help address the listener's problem I mentioned earlier. Footnotes may offer a way to put the second reviewer's concern to rest with minimal disruption. In the case of conflicting reviewer's comments, you can also choose to approach the editor, highlighting the contradictory response, offering your expert opinion on the possible reasons for the discrepancy, and proposing the changes you feel are most appropriate. If the editor doesn't feel qualified to intervene, your work might be directed to an additional reader to break the tie, so to speak. Whenever you're able to have any input on who the additional reviewer might be, make sure to suggest a short list of scholars you feel will provide reliable insight. Occasionally, there's an in-house reviewer at your publishing concern who carries more weight vis-a-vis -vis what will and won't get published. This is largely because in-house reviewers have more substantial grasp of the publisher's standards and the readership's expectations. In a situation like this, the reviewer is still doing you a favor by making their concerns known. That is to say, if they suggest more changes than you're prepared to make, maybe the journal they represent isn't the right match for your project. Accepting this will likely save you a lot of time and frustration by freeing you to seek out a publication that's a better fit for the work you've generated. If this means stepping away from a journal of significance or import, gain some assurance in knowing that you can use the reader's reaction as a frame or point of reference in generating a future project that better aligns with the expectations of that specific publication. The main message to take away from all of this is that the review process is largely about revision and negotiation in the shared interest of making your scholarship as strong and persuasive as it possibly can be when it's published. There's no denying that reviewers' comments might require you to revise, rethink, or even remove significant portions of your project, but that's okay. No one involved in this stage of your project development, including the reviewer, is expecting your work to be perfect, so there's no shame in having its shortcomings pointed out. In some cases, and in some disciplines, reviewers' observations may require you to even go back to the drawing board. But even in extreme cases, 
it's better that one reviewer point out problems when you're still able to make changes than for everyone in your area of study to observe your lesser efforts indelibly printed on a published page. Okay, now let's address the elephant in the room. Sometimes reviewers seem to just be plain mean. Their comments are dismissive, condescending, even combative. Well, there's no doubt that there are some reviewers out there who are jerks, plain and simple. But most are genuinely trying to help you out. The problem is that some confuse being severe with being thorough. Others are simply treating you the way that they've been treated, assuming that austerity is the standard. A few might lash out because they feel threatened by your scholarship. At the end of the day, you can't control the tone a reviewer brings to their response to your writing. What you can control is how you respond to others. When you're called on to play the role of the reviewer, remind yourself that your objective is to be frank, but also constructive. So avoid responding in terms of what a writer failed to do or neglected to say, what they misread in the scholarship or foolishly took for granted. Remember that there's a real person on the other end who put effort into the work, regardless of the shortcomings you might recognize. Frame your comments in terms of what you don't understand, what you'd like to know more about, what was suggested but not clarified in the writer's work. Voice constructive questions and recommend additional sources that might be useful. Expressing your perspectives in these ways is not sugarcoating the shortcomings you perceive. Rather, it's presenting your observations in approachable language geared to help a writer re-engage with their work with a sense of purpose rather than a feeling of failure. For now, when a reviewer really leans into your work, you may have to bring an extra measure of gratitude and humility to bear. After the initial sting subsides, the question to ask yourself is, what of value can you take from the reviewer's comments? Even the Earl of Chesterfield might glean something constructive out of his reviewer's seemingly scathing comment. I like to imagine that after he calmed down, he sat at a desk with his manuscript, took a deep breath, and said to himself, okay, let me figure out what's not good about what's original and what's unoriginal about what's good. And then got down to work. Well, that's today's episode. If this mistake applies to you, try out this fix and let me know how things worked out. Remember, all of the fixes I offer are meant to be flexible interventions. There may be ways you apply my suggestions that look different from what I've described, but that work for you. In that case, it's always terrific to hear the ways you adapt a fix that makes it a more meaningful match for your particular writing routine. Also, I'd love to get you involved in the podcast. Let me know if you have a story or a solution you'd like to share for an upcoming episode. In fact, I moved this week's topic up the ladder because of a listener suggestion. The same is true for our next episode, the mistake of putting off writing to do more research. If you'd like to chime in, drop me an email. You can reach me through the contact link on my webpage, 100writingmistakes.org. If you found this episode helpful, give the show a positive rating on your pod platform of choice. Even better, subscribe to automatically receive new episodes every two weeks as soon as they're posted. This will really help get the word out about the series. And spread the news about the podcast to colleagues and friends you think might benefit. 
because faculty are the most underserved writers on any college campus. And with your help, I want to change that.